Greetings and welcome to the Sanlam ESG Barometer Series, where we will be digging deeper into the insights that are derived from the 2023 installment of the Sanlam ESG Barometer. My name is Andile Kumalo and welcome to Episode 6. ESG imperatives have become fundamental to how businesses make investment decisions. The Sanlam ESG Barometer, in partnership with the Business Day, is the first to assess how JC listed companies are actively improving environmental and social outcomes in society. The debate has been happening. What about ESG in relation to Africa and the West? Now, there's many considerations here. Regional context, economic structures, developmental stages, cultural nuances. While there are overarching principles of ESG that apply globally, there are clearly also unique challenges and opportunities that shape how these principles are interpreted and implemented in Africa and Western corporate context. Today at the Business Day Studios, I'm joined by two experts to discuss this very theme, Africa versus the West, the debate on what ESG means to African companies versus global companies. Mr. Mzila Mtenjana is the CEO of the Minerals Council of South Africa. And I'm also, of course, joined by my regular guest, the Chief Sustainability Officer at Sana, Mr. Abel Sakao. Gentlemen, welcome. Thank you so much for your time. Zira, let me, start, let me start with you. Let me start with you. Fresh uh, in your current role, this issue of, they call it the North-South debate, they mm. call it the Africa versus the West debate. What is your view? The global North versus Global South. Global North, Global <laughs> South. <laughs> I, I think my view is that we shouldn't see them through a competitive lens, but right. rather complementary. What do you mean? So firstly, Global North is the richer nations and Global South are largely the emerging markets. The issue then becomes one of capital, which is the Global, no global North, and resources, which is uh, the demand, where the demand will come from the resources and the supply for those, for those commodities there will be a need for capital to be able to take advantage of this resource endowment of the global south and, and Africa. And so what I've observed through the years is that, in fact, ESG is becoming that meeting point between capital and the pot potential extraction of resources. And so I don't see it as global west versus Africa, but uh, rather the, the, the complementary nature of, of, of capital and the need for resources. And this is going to come forward more and more as the issue of moving forward to a low-carbon future and critical minerals uh, being required to be able to achieve that, uh, that ambition. Got you, got you. Able, though, part of the debate, or central to the debate, by my observation, is this issue on climate change. You know, you've mm -hmm. got the global uh, north saying, we've got this issue we've got to address, reduce your emissions, and, you know, the movement is growing, carbon credits, all sorts of things. And Global South going, well, are we necessarily the biggest emitters? Is this our problem to solve? What's your thoughts? Yeah, uh, thanks, Andy. And I think that's the reality. <laughs> you know, uh, probably with the exception of South Africa yeah. in terms of our uh, uh, emission intensity. But we can conveniently hide behind the rest <laughs> of the continent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then we can say, you know, Africa contributes, probably, is it depending on what you rate, less than 3% or 4% of yeah. global GHG emissions. And I think. For us, you know, from a, from a global south perspective, yeah. the context of emissions and ESG, for us, what is important is adaptation and resilience. 
how do we make sure that African economies and society is resilient to the changes in weather patterns? Because that is happening today. You know, you look at uh, South Africa, we had snow. You know, we, had, we are now in a heat wave, we had floods. To say, how then do you make sure that the Global South infrastructure and society communities are provided with the financial resources to make their economies resilient? And we've had debates, uh, and this, this discussion is happening when COP28 is about to start, right. where you know uh, the Global North or the Annexia One countries committed to provide financial support to mm. African countries. Right. That has never materialized. But we are then expected to say, oh yeah, let's forget about that. Let's start talking about how you're going to support the, uh, the reduction of emissions through your national determined contribution. So you've got this power struggle that happens where debates and discussions shift on the basis of what is the flavor of that particular year from the global north in terms of discussion. And the African countries, or the group of 77 from Africa, tends to want to say, no, we are not moving until we deal with issues of loss and damages. We deal with issues of adaptation. We deal with issues of climate funding. We deal with issues of uh, technology transfer. So that's where the real debates should happen. Right. You yeah. know? Zira? That's, a, that's an important issue that uh, Abel is mentioning because whilst climate change is a global issue, what matters the most is actually at the local level. And there are different local nuances and contexts for each region around the world. And so, you know, I don't think any of the African countries or emerging markets are necessarily saying they don't want to contribute towards a safer uh, world in terms of mitigation. Yeah. But it has to start from where they are and as far as what are the capabilities, what are the specific issues and challenges, and I think more importantly opportunities in as far as responding to climate change that they need to embark on for that particular country. And so the, the targets that must be set must be with specific reference to where the country is located, uh, its social and economic challenges, and I think from a South Africa perspective, it's energy challenges. Um, and that needs to be taken into consideration as far as how then it will embark on this transition journey as part of its contribution to the reduction of emissions. Got you, got you. But Abel, coming back, and maybe let's just talk about the S mm. versus the E. Mm. You know, I always think governance is relevant, but it's something that's been with business for a very long time. Mm. It's not a very difficult concept to, for, for business to be a part of and kind of support in every shape or form. The E and the S is where it kind of lies for me. And I find that the over-indexing on the E mm. from the global north mm. tends to under-index the S, which is yep. probably more relevant to the global south. Yep. Now, how do we ensure that, to Mzila's point, that we should be using ESG as a place for us to collaborate and work together, how do we, make sh we ensure that our agenda of also putting effort towards the S happens in this collaboration? Yeah, and it's, it's critical, especially the S. Because if you think about the whole notion of sustainable development is to make sure that future generations are able to prosper. But future generations, we mean communities, we mean people. Yeah. You know, but sometimes we forget that, you know, this future generation, there's actually a, a body behind it. Yeah. We think, oh, yeah, it's, you know, we protect the trees. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. they will have a better life if, you know, yeah. we protect African rainforests. Yeah. You know, and it's not like that. You know, so we then have to balance to say if... Uh, 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 the globe can benefit from Africa preserving their uh, uh, forests, 
because Africa is the lungs to remove GHG emissions. What is the world willing to pay mm. for that? Mm. We have not given that an economic value, mm. but we discuss it as part of the adaptation. But for us, it must then have an economic value. Exactly. You know, to say if we are going to stop uh, deforestation, we're going to make sure that we support the uh, mitigation, there is a value associated with this, and this is it for Africa. Zilla? So the, there's very interesting research I read which was entitled The Rise of the S. <coughs> so the S element is becoming increasingly important. And the reason for that is for the, what we mentioned earlier about the fact that we live in South Africa, we, li we live in Africa, and so we have to consider how climate change will impact us from where we live. And given that, the consideration for S and the need to transition needs to take, in, take into account the fact that if we transition as a country and today we decide we no longer use coal, what's going to be the social impact of that? While Absolutely. it may have an environmental impact, the social consequences are going to be huge. It's therefore, we cannot take the same step in the same pace as the global north and as far as how we transition. So I think what's becoming important is that uh, as a country and as a region, we've got to be clear of our plan of how we're going to transition. The role that coal has currently and other fossil fuels have in, in, in current societies. And, uh, and the fact that I think South Africa has, is, is it has planned for an integrated energy system, that is actually to our advantage. Because then we can plan for how much longer we can continue to use coal how quickly we're able to introduce new forms of energy such as uh, renewables, be it wind or solar, uh, as well as others that we need to consider in the long term. Um, and secondly, what I've also observed as well from capital providers is that actually they're beginning to understand that not all regions can transition at the right. same pace. But what is becoming critical is what is your plan? Mm. And, and how committed are you to your plan? Is it measurable? Yeah. And how are you progressing according to those targets that you've set? And I guess the follow-up question for you both, gentlemen, is what is our plan as a country? Mm. Um, you representing the Minerals Council South Africa, you representing the largest non-banking financial services player on the continent. Mm -hmm. There's got to be a place for government and business to meet and come up with a plan. Because to use South Africa as an example, we have entire towns and entire, entire towns with families that rely on coal. Mm. Mm. And if we are going to transition mm. into renewable energy sources in the fullness of time, what happens to the people that live yeah. in those communities? Yeah. So I have to ask you, what, what, how do we negotiate for ourselves the right pace of that transition mm. to ensure that we don't have a social mess in front of our hands because we're pursuing this transition into a renewable world. Your thoughts? I'll, I'll, I'll let him answer that question <laughs> from a technical perspective because okay. he's been involved yeah. with it in terms yeah. okay. of the national targets and then yeah. I'll speak after so, so, that. And I'll answer it from also the African perspective. Yeah. So one of the things that happened is that now you've got African countries through the G77 negotiating yeah. as a block. But what has never happened is that you still have a South African plan. You don't have an African plan in those negotiations. And we just need them to transition. Because Europe, when Europe negotiates, it, you, it negotiates as the EU. Uh -huh. You don't see Spain, you don't see France. And that's where the gap is for African gotcha. countries to say, how do we go into those organizations to say, South Africa is strong here. 
Na Namibia is strong here. Let's have a transition plan for Africa. And when we negotiate, because what then happens is that, you know, the West then come or the global North comes and goes to South Africa and say, oh, we've got 8.5 billion. And South Africa says, oh, we can use the 8.5 billion. The next time, this morning I heard that there's also money that's going to flow to uh, Nigeria to start building renewable energy. And that divides mm -hmm. because you don't have a uniform plan that should guide where flow of capital in the African continent should go and for what particular reason for the benefit of Africans. Yeah. Got you. And so to pick up from that, from an industry perspective, we've seen how, you know, JC listed companies have got their own transition plans to varying degrees. Where the gap is, is how those link to the national plan and the South African National Plan, because those do need to talk to each other. It is the economy that is generating emissions at the end of the day. It's the individual companies that are generating emissions. So to the extent that there's a national target of a reduction of emissions, that doesn't speak to how the economy will actually contribute towards that. It's a huge gap. And, and, so, and this is where your point becomes important around government and business coming together to understand how the targets that we've established, how do they cascade to the mining industry, to uh, the construction industry, to the cement industry, to ESCOM and to the, some of the other large emitters. And then that also eventually has to go to the individual companies within each sector. And I think in the, in, in the main, we'll, we'll get it right. It's not about being accurate, but yeah. I think on the ballpark basis, each company will be able to know that with the strategy that I've put in place, this is what it contributes towards the country getting closer to its targets. Thank you so much, gentlemen. I think your point about business and government getting together and your point about the continent speaking as one voice is potentially where, where the magic lies. Thank you so much, Abel. Thank you so much, Mzila. Thank you. And thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us because this brings us to the end of episode six. And with that, the end of the entire Sanlam ESG Barometer Series for 2023. I'd like to thank our partners at Sanlam for making this happen and, of course, our hosts here at BDTV. Now, 2024, of course, there'll be another installment of the Sanlam ESG Barometer, so do look forward to that. Otherwise, goodbye.